This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Primetime Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside, it's still weird. Alongside <laughs> me, as always, is Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. We're filling in for Ricky, giving him a month off one podcast. He's still up here. He's still editing every single day. But, hey, we'll give him a break. We'll give him a four-podcast break. That's what the guy gets uh, after, what? That's all we can afford. Eight years? Yeah. Eight years? Nine years of doing this? Uh, but anyways, we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to be talking about Zion and RJ. If it happened that they played together in the NBA, would it work? How would it fit? How would it work? Because um, obviously the Pelicans have the number one overall pick. They also have Anthony Davis, who doesn't want to be in New Orleans. New York trying to build a super team. They have that third pick. What if the stars align and RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson, two best buds, team up in the NBA? We'll talk about that. Then we're going to move into our boy, as Ricky calls him, Gorga Bataz Day. <laughs> we're going to move into uh, one of my you know burgeoning loves in this NBA draft, Gorga Goga Bataz Day. Yeah, don't you pull Ricky. Goga Batazde. We'll talk about best fits for him. And then finally, we're going to talk a, bit, a little bit about the NCAA likeness stuff. Apparently, the NCAA is looking into lessen their reins on the likenesses for college players, which might allow them to make money, which might allow the you know names to be on the back of jerseys when they sell them. Might lead to, I don't know, NCAA football 20XX. We might finally get football and basketball. The sequel to and one of the best games ever. Baseball games. I cannot wait, Dave. Uh, before we jump into all of that, we do want to tell you check out patreon.com slash most web podcast. If you like listening to our podcast, if you like listening to the live streams that we just recently did, it's uh, pretty dope. Go over and check it out at patreon.com slash podcast. If you check out the bronze tier, we finally have some activity in our Discord. Shout out to Retro, who's a recent member of the $1 tier. And then you could also check out the silver dollar tier if you want to you know, give us a little bit more. You could be in the Discord. You can get an early month access to the MVP podcast. You can hear Dave talk about his thumb, but just a whole month early. Yeah. Think, uh, the next and- one is uh, Game of Thrones, so it's actually yep. like logical to watch right now. Mm-hmm. Ricky and Mark literally just spoil it, yep. I think. Um, I haven't watched it because I don't want to get Game of Thrones spoiled. Um, and then also, if you're at that silver tier, you can throw out some topics. If you want to see us talk about Gorga, Goga Batazde's fit um, on the moon, you could throw that you're out You're going to struggle all I'm show with Gorga. But- I, I hate Ricky. <laughs> He's got it stuck in my head. And finally, uh, the big one, if you want to check out the gold tier, you can join us on a podcast. Pick your topic. Uh, Matt and Pat are going to be joining the uh, Primetime Podcast with you and Ricky next week. He's, Ricky's not getting his break anymore. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna, They're going to join you too, and, and they're going to talk about the topics they want to do. So if you guys want to check that out, check out the gold tier on patreon.com slash podcast. But Dave, let's jump into the first topic, and that is Zion and RJ. We laid it out. Anthony Davis doesn't want to be in New Orleans. New York wants Anthony Davis. New York has the third pick. R.J. Barrett ranked mostly as the third prospect in the NBA draft. Yeah. Memphis seems like they're picking Ja Morant. So that means if Zion goes one, Ja goes two, the best player available would be R.J. Barrett. If the Knicks trade for Anthony Davis, use that third pick, R.J. Barrett would naturally become a Pelican. So that means R.J. and Zion would be back at it again after a year of playing each- with each other at Duke, having both great seasons at Duke together, being best friends and really developing a great relationship yeah. to a point where they're joking throughout the whole NBA draft lottery and getting absolutely hyped for one another. Let's talk about the fit of how they could play together in the NBA. We saw them at Duke. How do you think that would transfer over to the pro game? Real quick, can we just say that draft lottery uh, interview process was the most awkward thing yeah. to watch? Like, never again. Please don't, A, air that over like the in-arena speakers, mm-hmm. and B, just put people on the spot like that. That was that was bad. The worst is when Woj is like, "Oh, and Kyle Kuzma, we could trade." And Kyle Kuzma's literally sitting there as the Lakers it, representative, like, like, "Oh, yeah." Oh, you watch his face just change. It was like, "Oh," yeah. but yeah, it's awesome that these two guys have the relationship that they have. You know, being top top high school athletes joining together to go to college together. I think that means a lot already. And then the chance that if, like you said, the New York to New Orleans situation happens. We could be seeing something awesome, and I don't, I don't, something we've never seen before because I can't remember last time two picks in the top three went to play for the same team. Uh, somebody's going to fact check me on that. Like 1954, there was a, I don't care, whatever. In the modern NBA, I don't believe it's happened. So deal with it. I think the only time I could think that it might be true, like actual teammates, I, the only thing I'm thinking of is like Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady. But T Mac came out of high school, and the only reason why I'm thinking of that is because they're cousins. Yeah. Like, that's the only connection that I can make. 
I don't. I can't think of the last time like two powerhouse, um, you know, two top three picks yeah. were on the same team going into the NBA exactly. from the same team. Yeah, no, that that's unheard of. So I mean, just two players going in the same <laughs> from the same college on the top three is pretty. pretty it's much pretty unheard unique. Of. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think last time we saw it was Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, weirdly enough, hey. obviously Anthony Davis would be the pick traded. I think that was the last time uh, that that happened. It might have been another Duke team, uh, but I think it was the two Kentucky kids. Um, but yeah, seeing those two play on the same team after we just saw it, after we just saw them, you know, go up against a battle in Taco Fall and, <laughs> against UCF, and yeah. uh, you know, Zion ripping his shoe, and and, and then RJ the, having to step that up was in a that heart UNC. attack moment game mm-hmm. too. Whew. I mean, it, it'd be absolutely crazy to see them on the floor together. And I think it would work in some ways because obviously they already have that chemistry, which is going to be huge. But my biggest worry would be, would they just try to then phase everybody out in some ways? Like, we know each other. We know each other so well. We're two top three picks. We're going to try to make this team our own. Do you think that that would possibly be a thing where it's like, all right, they have such a tight bond where they're just going to phase like Drew Holiday out. They're going to phase, let's say, you know, uh, Czech Diallo out. Um, there's really not that many other players. Like I was going to say Jackson. Or we got to throw really? Frank Jackson out there. Uh, oh, each one more. Uh, yeah, three one more. Yeah, we some respect there. Each one out there. I think Solomon Hill's still under contract. He will is they, unfortunately. Will they start to phase those guys out since they do have such a tight bond? I don't think so. I think it's just an instant leg up on team building. And as a coach, it's awesome because you got to see kind of the interactions between them on the court and off the court already. And if you're bringing two guys together. Your your locker room, I think it's going to be more positive because Zion Williamson has been nothing but like the most positive person in all of his interviews since high school. It's impossible to find one where he's like, "Yeah, things aren't going so great right now." Like it's nothing but positivity. He's he's a super positive guy to have around locker room. He's a leader. I think that they're going to bond together with that locker room really well if this happens. And on the court, it's even better because you look at the stats for when they played together. I know Zion did miss that one stretch of games from uh, the from February 20th all the way up to the conference tourney start. And in those games, you watched a lot of uh, hero ball out of RJ. And Sean, you give me some... Sorry, I clicked on RJ's Wikipedia page and it already has him as a Nick. <laughs> It says R.J. Barrett is a Canadian college basketball player for the New York Knicks of the NBA uh, National Basketball Association. They're just a little ahead of schedule. I guess so. But Um, Yeah, in in those games, uh, right at the end of the season, uh, there was a lot of hero ball by R.J. His shooting percentages absolutely tanked. His three-point percentage went from 30, I think it was about 33 to 35 range, down to like 23 during those games. And then back up to end the year uh, in that last stretch of conference tourney and the NCAA tournament is 27%. Not amazing shooter from the outside, but you can tell just by having Zion there, that's a pretty big swing from going from, you know, mid to lower 20s to mid 30s, just from having someone on your team who can draw attention, who can drive, who can facilitate back to you for better looks. So I think together as a package, it helps them both at the NBA level. The one question I would have is, I think it would help in some ways, but do you think we would then see a limited RJ in some ways? Because we we kept talking like, hey, maybe he's even being limited right now. Um, and, you know, obviously when Zion went out, we saw RJ just have to take over. Um, and we, we saw, I think the, the game happened on uh, the 20th, February 20th. Yeah, and then, then he came out right away and had that game against Syracuse where he had 30 points. And even in that UNC game, he had 33 points. Um so it was pretty impressive seeing like what he did in those six games, 38 minutes, took 20 shots a night and, and, and put up 49 percent from the field, which was pretty impressive as well. And, you know, you, you talked about the, the three point percentages struggles. Yeah. Seven, seven <laughs> attempts a game, 23 uh, percent uh, from from three and then 57 from the line, which isn't good. But 26 points, five assists um, and, then, and then about, you know, kind of a one to one assist to turnover ratio. Not great. But then we also talked about, you know, obviously Cam Reddish, guy who was a major disappointment. Uh, Trey Jones was banged up at, at the end of the year. He wasn't really playing with super talented players. Trey Jones finished the year shooting like fire, though. Mm-hmm. That but, was the weirdest conference turnaround game I've seen. Yeah, but he but he ended <laughs> up he wasn't like fully healthy for those games, Correct. those six games. Correct. Um, so he wasn't playing with the greatest talent. So you wonder if he does end up going to New York. Let's say they don't get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and and, and Anthony Davis, and they try to build around. You know, we saw Kevin Knox be a pretty decent spot-up shooter last year. He wasn't great. He wasn't super yeah. consistent. But there was that stretch, I think it was in December to January, where he was absolutely fire. Um, and you see Dotson as well, who's just had surgery uh, yeah. uh, over the offseason. I think he's going to end up being fine. 
Um, but he, from the outside, fantastic shooter. And you have hope that maybe Frank at some point will be able to turn into a decent shooter. He's 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 not great. How many people are you packaging way. this Knicks deal? I'm just curious. No, you're, I'm, you're I'm, saying, I'm saying if Anthony Davis does not go, oh, okay. who he would be around to to kind of take that pressure off of and if he's dishing it out, who would take some of that scoring load off of okay. And I think immediately okay. we go to Kevin Knox. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying he also has like some guys who like Doxon who has been a very you know prolific yeah. three-point shooter in his in his young career. Both um, he and Trier. Trier. Yeah, yeah. That's a guy I was going to mention, too. So I, I think I'd be very curious. Like, I think, obviously, Zion and RJ would fit, but I, I kind of don't want to see it. You're rooting for it, him solo act? Yeah, it'd be really cool to see them play at some point together again, but I would like to see them, like, team up later on, like, in free agency or something like that. Like, that'd be cool. Like, let's get the band back together and want oh, Cam. Like Cam, Cam. Cam found his stroke in, in Cleveland, and now let's get them all back together. Cam's just like the Chris Charlotte group. Yeah, like the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> um, but I think it, if we saw RJ on the Knicks, I think there is the possibility, if they don't sign the big names and, and get Anthony Davis, Kyrie, and, and KD, that he could actually blossom out there. Because I, I have him as my second player on my big board. Um, yeah, I've and, got him as my third. I, it's just... Yeah, very close between him and Job, ja. but I, I think his ability to create attack, his fearlessness to just go after it and be the guy, I absolutely love that. And I'm not saying Ja doesn't have that, but I think Ja was kind of forced a little bit into that at Murray State because he was clearly the best player on that team. Yeah, um, and not saying that team was totally talent- talentless. They obviously showed in the, the, the tournament that they weren't, but I, I think if he was in you know New Orleans, he'd kind of be outshadowed. And you see right after the combine or right after the draft lottery, he yeah. comes out and says, I'm the best player in the draft. Now, every kid's going to say that, especially when you're a top three talent like RJ is. Absolutely. Especially he was the number one recruit uh, uh, coming out of high school. But mm-hmm. I, I, I truly think he does believe that, although Zion was clearly the better player at Duke. I mean, he's a 6'7 do-it-all wing. Like, there's a, lot, there's a lot of attractiveness to what he brings to the table. Someone who is as versatile as him, who he's, he's a good rebounder for his size. He's able to facilitate. I think some of the times he forces passes that just look dumb in retrospect. Um, so I think that'll come, like, his precision and his floor awareness will come with time. But, I mean, he did average over four assists a game playing at Duke with that I don't, I don't want to call Trey Jones a weak point guard, but Trey Jones was an excellent defensive point guard. Uh, he wasn't exactly the floor general, maybe. So mm-hmm. I think with RJ ball in his hands, I think the Knicks are, would actually be a great fit for him because, like you said, their offense last year was so centered around these individual ISO scores yep. that having someone like him on the wing who can go ahead and facilitate for them, work with them, put them up in better situations, I, I see that being a positive. Yeah, and I think the one thing, too, is like you look at the guys that they do currently have on roster, and, and Dennis Smith Jr., while he is a, a talented player, I don't see him as like a facilitator anyway. Yes, he averaged near five assists last uh, last year, but you never looked at him. It was even five and a half um, when, when he when he fully played with the Knicks in the twenty one games. But I never looked at him as like you know a guy who could just strictly run an offense. Like I look at De'Aaron Fox, I think De'Aaron Fox could strictly run an offense. Yeah, and I don't you know his numbers aren't popping off like crazy. Uh, I, I don't think at least uh, unless I'm totally misremembering uh, sophomore <laughs> year uh, stats, De'Aaron Fox, but. Fox had that ability to be that point guard, to be that leader facilitator. He averaged around like 7.3. Um, but he's not like up there in like 10 like Chris Paul or yeah. anything like that. But, you know, I, I don't think he's that type of player, Dennis Smith Jr. He's going to pass because, you know, he needs to get out of the way because he's so small, like, you know, get, getting, you know, stopped yeah. driving to the rim. But I think if you have at least R.J. Barrett out there, I think he could kind of take on that facilitator role. And Dennis Smith Jr., while he has, you know, had some great sparks in New York, I think having RJ solo away from Zion, he can kind of take in that whole spotlight. Because we, we we saw that RJ kind of loves that. Yeah. We, we saw that RJ kind of lives for that whole moment. The Mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talk about it like a bad thing, the Mamba mentality. but It's got its pluses and minuses. I mean, you, you saw it out of uh, Kawhi Leonard during these playoffs. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to it, that man will, win, will will you through a shot. And I think RJ has that in him. I, I don't know that... You know that plays out really well for set, for eighty two regular season games and throughout a regular season. You know, is he going to make the a selfish decision, thinking that he's the best shooter and he's going to put himself in a better opportunity to take that last shot than you know the next guy up on his team, even if they're older, more experienced, you know, better players by any chance. But I don't know. I think people are making too much out of it for what it is in college. I think at the next level, we'll find out pretty quickly. You know where he's at mentally and where where he's at as far as like 
do I need to close out these games myself or is this going to be deferring to someone who might be a better shooter, might be a better facilitator, whatever they are, you know? Yeah, I, but I think you kind of see in that first the Syracuse game right after Zion goes out, he takes 20 shots, 14 to 20. Yeah. 12 of uh, 15 from the field uh, from at least two-point range and, and two of five from three. And, you know, six of his uh, 12 games where he took over 20 uh, shots or more, he went 50% or better. So, I mean, like, he, he can take those high-value shots, those high-volume uh, games where he shoots over 20 times a game mm-hmm. and be an efficient scorer. Uh, not all the time because you can have those games where he's 8 of 30 against Syracuse or 7 of 22 against Texas Tech. And well, that's that in the Syracuse game, just, just for some context. Cam out there pulling the 2 of 11 game, mm-hmm. you know, really helping his team along. I just think that RJ, the fact that he can kind of be like, all right, I'm the guy. Oh, yeah, Especially yeah. in New York. No, he realized when he needed to step up. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like, oh, it yeah, was like, sure. nobody else on this team is hitting shots. I'm going to do it. And I think that would be a perfect thing for New York. So I would love to see that. Yeah. Now, I think him and Zion would be interesting, but I think if he goes to New Orleans, he's going to get outshined. He, oh, yeah. he, he did that at Duke. I mean, he already got outshined by Duke and uh, at Duke by Zion. And, and I think it would be unfortunate to him because I would love to see what he could do in that whole thing where it's like, I'm the fucking guy by the R.J. Barrett Nick jersey because I'm going to be the guy that takes the Mecca to the next realm. I I, I think it's cool because I think he kind of wants that like really badly. I mean, Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I that would be amazing for any young player coming in the league having that on their shoulders. But I, I don't know. Him getting outshined on the Pelicans if he gets traded there, I think has a lot to do with what that package looks like too because you're going to get that number three pick, which was R.J. Barrett. Yeah. You're going to get, what, Kevin Knox. You're going to get the Knicks pick next year. You're going to get the pick from the Mavs. <laughs> You're potentially going to get one of those big or one of the players you named previously, whether it's Ooh. Knox, Donovan, or not Donovan Mitchell, Dennis Smith. Uh, Dennis Smith. That's a lot. It, it's it's one of these. I think you're going to have. I mean, it's Anthony Davis. I get yeah, for but, it's a but, year, but it was also Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard it was it was, it was a year an all star for an all star though. Yeah, but then you're you're what you're giving up. Three young. You're giving up two young players. I think and, it's going to be RJ and and Kevin Knox and two picks and two. That's a lot. It's New York. Nothing's a for sure thing is the problem. So I think they I think they've got to go ham. But I don't know, but but, but Kawhi it was it was an all-star for Jakob Pertle and uh, the 27th pick or something like that. Kawhi? Yeah, because the the, yeah. the Raptors pick was super low. Yeah. So you're, I mean you're jumping 24 spots in a draft and, and that's to get a top 3 pick in a in a very, you know, mm-hmm. v, you know, top heavy draft like we've been talking about. Yeah. You're getting a guy who is you know, at still a top ten pick in a very loaded draft class, and then what t- two picks on top of that? Like that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean Kevin Knox was a middle of the first round pick. He was nine middle of the first round. Nine <laughs> <laughs> feels like middle of the first round. Um, but I mean, like that's the question: is is Kevin Knox and RJ Barrett going to get you on or close to what Anthony Davis brings? No. Are but, either but, those but picks you have no do reason. It? No. But, you, but you you can't keep Anthony Davis. You can't. Oh, if you're the uh, Pelicans? Yeah, because right, he's not going to play for you. You can look at Boston. I mean, we're going to hit this conversation later in the, the fast, fast break. break. Yeah, But uh, as far as fits go, it, it could be interesting to see who comes with him in that Pelicans trade. That's all I'm saying. We talked about RJ on his own. Let's wrap it up with Zion on his own. Yeah. Because we, we think that him with RJ you know, would be you know helpful to him because obviously you know rj can make transition shoot from the outside yeah. yeah you know obviously he's got a guy who can pass it to him he's got a guy who lead him on the break those two are super fun in transition yeah um and i think it gives him at least a, a true three where he can actually play the, like the four which i think he'd be better at, at least defensively I, I think though if he's on his own in new orleans he can just really show who he is and i'm not saying that you know rj kind of held him back but RJ was taking a lot of shots. I mean, RJ averaged, I think, about 15 shots a game last year. So if those, you know, seven more shots go to go to Zion, I think I think we can kind of see what we saw with Luca last year, where Luca really got the full shine because there was yeah. no one else taking shots from him. And, and even when there was, it was Dennis Smith Jr. They're like, all right, we got to trade his ass. Um, like, <laughs> I think that's a Drew Holiday. Dirk wasn't. Well, I don't think, but but I think Drew can take a little bit more of a back seat. That's that's the thing is I don't think Drew's going to be a guy that needs Drew's a great to demand two shots. Guy, you know exactly. I think he knows his role, yep. and and he can do that and still be an all star. Like Drew can be a floor general offensively, defensively, hit his shots from the outside when Zion you know dishes out, and he could also be a guy who you know when Zion's taking a break because I don't yeah. think Zion's going to be uh, you know they're going to play him a ton of minutes, probably like forty four minutes a game knowing Zion, you know. <laughs> but but then like every other game they're gonna, <laughs> they're going to sit him because uh, yeah. they got to pr- protect the most valuable. No, asset I, I got you. He's probably playing like thirty two two years, thirty two um, a night. Yeah, but I, I think then you know Drew can get his shots, but uh, but when solely on the floor, 
I think they're going to try to feed Zion. Maybe not to the volume that AD was getting fed. I was going to ask. But I think Zion's going to get a ton of looks next year because there's no reason not to. I mean, he's going to be able to get open. He's quick, fast. He could jump. Like, he can He can do everything that you want him to do. So he just can't shoot, really, from the outside, last which year, we all know. Last year, Anthony Davis was taking about 18 shots a game. Uh, every year but his rookie year, it's been above 15. So if you look at that in his most fed year, uh, he was... God, I remember that year. Uh, in 2016-2017, he was taking 20 shots a game. Damn. Uh, putting up 20 a night. So, like, my question to you, then, is Zion expectations coming in. Say he does get fed 15 shots a night. You know, what is that stat line going to look like for Zion Williamson? Is he going to be a 22-10 kind of guy uh, his rookie year on the Pelicans? Like, are we going to have, like, a Blake Griffin-esque performance out of a rookie again? Hmm. My first my first thought was just go to Cat because Cat was so prolific offensively. Cat got about fourteen shots a game. Um, Blake got sixteen. And what was when you said fifteen was the bar? Fifteen every year by his rookie year because his rookie year really Anthony Davis was just there defensively. He his offensive game didn't come along to the following year. He's got a good point guard. And, and Luca had guard. sixteen attempts a game, sixteen and a half. I could see 15. I I would I wouldn't be shocked if he got 15 shots a game. I mean, a lot of those are going to be two, so it's going to be high volume. So if he makes seven a night, I mean that puts you at 14 right there. I mean, Zion shooting from two uh, this year was 70. <laughs> it's got to be. Uh, his two percent was 74. Yeah, points or 74.7. Yeah, which is insane. Who's going to stop him? I mean, he's a fucking well, Mac in college. Truck. Yes, so you have to even in the a, NBA, who's going to stop him? Dave? So he's a forty-six he inch vert guy who's two hundred and seventy-five pounds. <laughs> is he going to shoot seventy-five percent from no from no, two? Of course not. But I think he could. I mean, Blake was Blake in his rookie year was fifty-one. I think I think he'd be higher than that. So this past year, just context of guys who are you know playing because Blake was fighting roles, back from an injury. Yeah, Blake was coming back from injury. But guys playing, you know, heavy low post in the NBA, so just scoring percentages what is what I'm thinking, is you look at, like, Montrezl Harrell. Like, he had a great year. He was heavy in the low post. Not not a huge guy in the fast break like Zion will be. Yeah. But just to give you an idea for two-point percentages, he had 61% from two this year. So but, I, but, but I, I don't think... the thing is I, I, you, you have to factor in transition. Yeah. I mean, you also have to factor in he could still take it from the, the, the wing and drive in an attack. I mean, Zion, Zion has hands. Yes. Yeah. No, that's what I'm thinking. So, so 64% maybe, 65% from De- two? Definitely not 75%. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like 10% drop right off the bat. So, like, are, are we expecting a 20 and a, a twenty and 9? No. No? I, last player to do that was Blake. Yeah. And you don't think that Zion going uh, into the NBA with Drew Holiday, and this is this is a scenario where he's on but, his own. But it, that's the thing is, is he's, he he's also going to get, like, we're probably, if he's, he's not going to just be alone, though. That's the thing. Two out of five. Some... We're going no, to Alabama but... rules. <laughs> you probably can get like a Brandon Ingram if they trade him to the Lakers. Um... I know. I'm just trying to set this scenario. Shit. Then, yeah. Shit, shit, shit. Come on, put your name on it. Be bold. No, he's not going to do 22. All right. Uh, I think he'll have more similar to cat numbers. Blake was 22, 22 and a half and 12. Oh, uh, shit. Um... <laughs> he's not as good as a rebounder as Blake. I'll say that. No, he's not. I think he'd be <sighs> similar points to Cat, eighteen point three. Okay. Similar boards to Simmons, eight point one. Maybe even higher than that. And then assist number three and a half. I mean, Blake averaged three three point eight. Yeah, there's similar. Zion only had two point one. Different offensive systems, though. So who knows mm-hmm. what he brings to the table at the NBA level? Quicker yeah. game, more possessions, uh, a little bit more time on the clock as well. He's great. He's a great transition passer too. Yeah. Shit. Uh, I, so you're you're putting him on the books for 18, 18, 8, and no, three. No, no, eighteen, seven, and three. No, eight, eighteen, nine. He's too. He's too. Quit. Like they, they might do the Russell Westbrook thing where he, they clear out just so he can have the ball in transition. I would I would be down for that. 18, 9, and 3. All right. On I, 60 shooting, I think. <laughs> and like 21 look, from 3. I look forward to seeing this. I really it's, do. It's going to be crazy. So, I, I, and I think, I, I think 
if he has RJ with him, those How numbers go down, it? but I think his efficiency goes up. Yeah. Because then, you know, RJ driving, he'll be able to just dump it off to Zion. Like, and he like, get tip like what, too. I mean, you just see what, and this is obviously Steph. Steph's a way better passer than RJ. Yeah. But you see what Steph's able to do with Draymond off the pick and roll, where he, just, oh he drives in, drives both guys over, and it's just a dump over both their heads, and yeah. Draymond has an easy dunk. We have Zion. Zion could just fly over them. Yeah. Um, Zion leaps two people like a fucking. Oh. Man. It's going to be interesting. Uh, but let us know what you think. How would RJ and Zion work together in the NBA? It'd be fun. I kind of want to see him as separate entities, though. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm rooting for the same thing as you are because mm-hmm. uh, it's just once you start putting them together, I just feel like we're not going to get the pure version of them. You know, yeah. even though this New Orleans team is probably going to get a different like swap out of talent anyway from Anthony Davis trade, but we'll see. When how would he play with you know Jason Tatum? It's just another topic that we're going to have to discuss. Let us know down in the comment comments down below. How would RJ and Zion play together in the NBA if it happened? Uh, to happen, I guess, is yeah. the way to put it. But let's move into the next topic, and we were talking about best fits for Goga Batazde. He is a Georgian player, uh, said to be around 6'11", 7 feet tall, uh, 241. He was born July 20th, 1999. So the start of the season, he will be 20 years old. So that's a little bit older, um, at least compared to like guys Not like quite Jackson true Hayes. freshman, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's definitely an interesting player to be on the look for. Uh, he plays for KK mega b max uh if i you know if i am pronouncing that wrong my apologies uh it's a serbian team uh and he's a very interesting player to me because he is very fluid dave both offensively and defensively he's got a decent show uh, stroke from the outside he's a pretty good rebounder and he seems really intense yeah. which is something that i really love and and when we talked with john a couple months ago was i think it was a month ago a month ago uh, a month ago I compared him to Enos Cantor if Enos could play defense. And we see what Enos now has been doing in Portland, and we saw what he was doing with Oklahoma City before he went to New York and kind of lost his, his thunder. Mm-hmm. He can really be a, an effective player out there. And I saw someone in our comments compare him to a more athletic Nikola Jokic. I don't see that at all. I don't see the the, the really the passing skills and the court vision like like um, like uh, Nikola has. Right. Um, you know, there's been games where he has like four assists. Uh, he had back-to-back games with, with four assists. But really, it's 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 not really topping over two. Um, so he's a guy that you know, I, I'm really interested as just more of a kind of a traditional five who can kind of stretch it out a little bit um, and, and play some really aggressive defense. Maybe he's going to you know get into some foul trouble, but I think he's going to at least you know put some hard fouls on guys, try yeah. to block shots. He seems like he's a really well bit play, built player too. What is your range for him, though? Where are you kind of putting him? Because obviously his age is a little bit older. He seems like he might be a little bit raw just because, you know, international players, we always have that assumption. He's not What's playing the in true one of the, test? Yeah, he's not also playing in one of the better leagues. Right. Um, he's not playing in what Luca was playing in last year. Um, so what, what are you kind of gauging Goga at right now? Where are you putting him? I'm putting him in the probably uh, 12 through 25 range, and I'm leaning more towards in the first half of that. Like, he could just get tipped into the end of the lottery, I think, via a team like the like the Celtics because mm-hmm. of their multitude of picks. They really want to secure it because, to be fair, while center isn't the sexiest position of today's NBA, it is a position that is fairly thin in this draft class, and he's someone who looks like he has a bright and long future in the NBA. And I could see him going a little bit later, but I think that the Celtics are really the maybe the first team, so maybe 14, but... I don't know. It's right that tail end of the lottery could be where he jumps off the board. I do agree, though. His his game looks good. He's strong. He's got good size, and he's got really good handles uh, for his size. I, I've been most surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Footwork-wise, I think about average foot speed, um, but that's not bad as a seven-footer. You know, he's not someone who I expect to get run off the court. You know, the thing for me is, like, where's the condition going to be at, at the NBA level? Yeah. So that transition might take a bit, but... And that's the biggest disappointment that I have right now, because currently his, he's, he's still playing. His, his most recent game that we can at least find was from uh, 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 May 16th. So that was yesterday. yesterday. Um, and and he in a loss, he played, you know, about 30 minutes, uh, 6 to 12 from the field, 1 to 3 from 3. He was the line 17 times um, and went 13 to 17. With 15 boards, four blocks, and 26 points. So a really good game. Mm -hmm. Had four personal fouls, kind of like what I was talking about with the aggressiveness. Uh, I don't know if he really has that locked down yet. That's kind of the worries that I have. I have him, my last big board, I had him as my 14th best player. 
I think he might be jumping Nikki Alexander-Walker because um, I'm not sold on Nikki. I, I think I was overhyping Nikki Alexander's ball handling a little bit more, so I thought he could be a little bit more of a better combo guard. Mm-hmm. I think he has that ability, but Nick might need to work on it a little bit more. Okay. And Clark is falling a little bit. Measurements. And, yeah, this is something uh, we'll talk about. You know, this <laughs> is something you guys will talk about um, with, I think it's Matt next week. Um, yeah. On the primetime podcast about who you know really won and uh, gained from the po- uh, the 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 combine and who lost from the combine. You know Clark's athletic tests were great, over a forty inch vertical, uh, super quick. Uh, I think it was a uh, shuttle speed or something like that. He, yes. he was one of the faster players, especially uh, and, first position. He blew everybody out of the water. Yeah, but that's the thing is like, is he that position though? Because he came in as six eight with shoes. And he doesn't have the longest. Sounds like a small band. forward to me. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like he looks like a, a small forward and 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 not really a power forward, and he doesn't really have a shot. So that's the concerning thing with Brandon Clark. So I might feel inclined to move Goga up, but I kind of wish he was at the combine because I want to know what his true height is. Is he a true seven footer? Because that does make a difference. And also, what's his body fat? What's he, what's he coming in at? And yeah. also. You know, is his wingspan going to be a difference maker? Does he have those four inches that are so intriguing to teams, or is he going to be like a Brandon Clark, who I think only has like an inch difference uh, between barely, yeah, between between his uh, you know, his height at six eight and his wingspan, which I think is six nine. So that's the one thing that I really wanted to see with Goga is where was he going to test compared to these athletes that he's going into? Because if he's going up against these you know centers and he's testing you know in the top five in these athletic tests then I'd be really inclined to move him up because the skills are there. I think he's one of the more skilled big men in this draft. I obviously oh, yeah. I think Zion is the skilled big man. Right, but um, after that, we talked about Walker being incredibly undersized. Then yeah. you go to the raw Jackson Hayes. Clark. You said Walker. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. You kept he's mentioning a, he's Walker. A guard. <laughs> you kept mentioning Walker. Yeah, That's Clark. why I'm like, wrong segment. Well, I, Nikki Alexander-Walker is going to fall for me. Fair enough. Go-go jumping, and I think yeah. Clark's also going to fall for me. So with Jackson being like the true center the number one true center on most people's boards being mm-hmm. as raw as he is, I think there's still people who are going to take their chance at the upside because of his defensive instincts. Yeah. But I think Goga brings a better all-around game by far, and well, that's an intriguing thing. If I'm a GM, I think that depends on the team and what kind of a scheme I want to run because we're seeing big men get run off the floor during the playoffs in situations where Clint Capella isn't even viable mm-hmm. to be on the court. They're Rudy Gobert, run off the court. So many of these defensive centers, and you're looking at them, and you're like, well, that's not working out. Limited minutes for other guys, so it, I wonder how valuable that is when all you can contribute is at one half of the court. You know who wasn't getting run off the court playing 60 minutes in a four-overtime game? Big honey. Nicole Jokic. You know who wasn't getting run off the court in, in games? Nicole Jokic. This guy's a fucking monster. Just want to throw it out there. Also, um, uh, Joel Embiid. Just got to give a quick shout out. He was getting run off the court because he was sick. Well, um, he had the runs. Yeah, he did. Um, he, he had he a run. He let everyone know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think Goga is just such an interesting player. And, and you talk about the conditioning. That's something that is con- concerning in ways. And, and you, you kind of question, like, you know, is he only playing 19 minutes a game and 16 minutes a game and 17 minutes a game because of the foul trouble? Because in those games, five personal fouls, four personal fouls, five personal fouls. Um, and that's a little bit concerning. And, and, and even then, though, you look at the game and he had two personal fouls against a team that I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I'm just going to totally find him. He started as well. But he only played 23, in, in, mm-hmm. in 23 minutes and 50 seconds. It's like, well, why wasn't he getting more? And you also look at the shot attempts. He's only getting like, you know, he, he, there's some games with 14, 14, 11, 12. But then there's also games where it's kind of like Jokic, where it's like 8, 4, 2, 3, 2, 3, 7, 7, 7, 4, 7, 6, 10, 6. Like, he's not getting consistent looks. And, and you just wonder, like, is that because of foul trouble? Is that because of conditioning? Is he being shut down? We don't really have this, you know, massive tape and, and library of tape that we have with, you know, Zion and RJ and, and Jackson uh, because of, you know, obviously these games always being broadcast because they're Blue Blood uh, programs. I just wonder, like, where he would actually fit in the combine right now. If he was going up against these players like a Charles Bassey, what would he be doing? And, Stomping and, him. <laughs> Maybe I, I, I think Charles Bassey's so slow though. I, he is. He's and I, that's try telling y'all. Yeah. Um. I I think that with Goga, it's gonna be. It's really just gonna come down to personal workouts. How does he look in those personal workouts to teams? Is he you know testing well on their own personal things? I don't really think it's gonna come down to shooting. I don't think it's really gonna come down to you know his his interviews. I think it's really just gonna strictly come down to what's his height, what's his wingspan, is he quick enough, and mm-hmm. you know can he just thrive on an NBA floor because you can kind of coax out that 
aggressiveness a little bit. And you kind of want a little bit of that aggressiveness. Right. Um, so I, I think if you can control that anger a little bit, not anger, but that you know ability just to be like, I'm going to stuff everything coming my way. Um, I need to make a play on every single play. Yeah. I think he could be a really impactful player on both sides of the floor. Yeah. And, and I think really the biggest you know backsides and downsides of him would just be that you know question marks of, all right, well, is he aggressive enough offensively? Is he too aggressive defensively? And where's his conditioning at, like you said? So I think the Celtics would definitely be an interesting team because I think they really have that ability to really you know coach him up. Another team that would be interesting to me is Atlanta because Atlanta, you could put him in a situation where he could play behind Dwayne Dedman. He could mm-hmm. play behind John Collins. You could put him into you know limited minutes already where he's going to play 20 minutes so he doesn't you know, really have to worry mm-hmm. about foul trouble. And that way, he doesn't have to just jump right into a lineup. He can ease his way in, and he's also going to be playing with Trey Young, who's going to get him yeah. open looks and gain his confidence out I there. I like the fit. I-, I think it'd be a really fun but fit. But would you reach for him at 10? That's the thing. I don't, but is it a reach? Is and that's the thing for me is he's moving up my boards. Yep. Clark's moving back. I I don't really like Brandon Clark's fit anyway with the Hawks. So then it's coming down to Jackson Hayes and Goga Batazde. And I think Goga can really be molded. You know, I think I think there's more to work with there than Jackson Hayes. I think Jackson Hayes has the body, he has the you know, the the, the athleticism, mm-hmm. he has that defensive instincts like you were talking about, but is that offensive game ever going to be there? And is he even going to be that good of a rebounder where, you know, you're already looking at Goga and he seems very aggressive. So you're not going to have to worry about him, yeah. you know, shying away from grabbing boards or him shying away from, you know, not helping out defensively. And you're going to need that with Trey Young, you know, being a turnstile out there. Um, I, I, I really think that he might be a little bit more intriguing because, you know, Jackson might not be able to build that confidence right up, up right away. Where Goga, if he's getting limited minutes, but you know, told why he's getting these limited minutes, and, yeah. and, and you know, obviously, hey, we don't want you to get in foul trouble. We want to use you in the correct ways, I mean, and also you build saw, up your conditioning. Yeah, I think he could be a dangerous player. We saw Jaron Jackson be very successful. He is a mm-hmm. guy who had similar foul troubles. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, similar <laughs> yes, things. Yep. Those guys were highly effective in limited minutes, and I think that's definitely the right path to take with Goga. The the big other plus for him going to the Hawks is he's not afraid to take a three. He's taken a couple threes a game basically since he moved to or since the mega season started. And you see the level of uh, effort going into that because he doesn't have a horrible shot from the outside. But you look at the Hawks and what they're trying to do, and it's very clear that they want all five guys to be able to take threes and be guarded outside the perimeter. So I don't know if they're super keyed in. We've all been mocking Jackson Hayes there because like they need a center. They need a center of the future. Dwayne Dedman's a placeholder guy. You know, and he has expanded his game even to take threes on the Hawks. So I'd have to think the next guy they take is either going to be taking threes already, like Goga, or they're going to have to expect Jackson Hayes to learn how to take threes fairly quickly. And yeah. Jackson Hayes' outside shot is non-existent. Mm-mm. So I, it's, mid-range is decent. It's yeah. not horrible. Like they, I think there's something workable there, but it's it's not going to be like you know oh let's just get him shots and see how right. it is. Like you're going to need to actually. You're take hoping a this guy's going to take about three shots a game yeah. from three. That keeps people honest, and Goga can live at the foul line too. So he can bang down low. He can stretch the floor. I think fit wise, he could be the right guy for the Hawks. And here's the thing: why I really like it. Yeah. Who's the head coach of Atlanta? Who is the head coach of Atlanta? Lloyd Pierce. Yeah. You know where Lloyd Pierce carried from? Philadelphia. Ah. You know who he coached? Uh-huh. Joel Embiid. Uh-huh. So a guy who has that anger, who has that passion for, for basketball, who has that aggressiveness, and he was able to at least, you know, watch his growth. I don't know how effective Lloyd Pierce was in, in the growth of Joel close, Embiid. Yeah. Joel Embiid, I wouldn't be shocked if Joel Embiid made Joel Embiid. That guy's yeah. phenomenal. He willed um, it. <laughs> but, but we even see with Joe. Like, Joe isn't the most conditioned guy. You know, everyone's saying that he can lose all this baby fat. Yep. Um, but still, I mean, if I look like Joel Embiid, I'm not complaining. Yeah, if, if Joel Dude's Embiid ripped. didn't eat, like, McDonald's and shit, like, four days a week, yeah, like, I he mean, wouldn't that, be having well, this problem, probably. And we, we still, we know you, Nicole Jokic used to oh chug my God, Cokes. Yeah. That dude's um, a fiend. I, and I don't think Gogo's that bad. Go, no, he's Gogo's not. not that bad. He's not that bad, but he's I think, also I think not, he, like... I think if he was if he was tested, I think he'd have probably, like... 13 to 10 percent body fat i, I think he, i think he's slimmer than nas reed who came okay. in at like 14 i, I, I think, think he's he, similar he range slimmer. um yeah, he's also taller which is going to help him yeah that's true i think the thing though is like you put him about on Jerry, the heat you t- you that talk- man goes body fat percentage down to five like i kind of like it the only thing is they don't take international players here's the thing though yeah. i want to i want to go to the the the, the internet uh, uh jaron jackson thing real quick mm-hmm. and then we'll go back to the the the, the heat thing and team sure. fits. 
Uh, last 17 games was when uh, Jaron Jackson got all games over 20 uh, 20 plus minutes. Um, in those 17 games, he averaged 27.8 uh, minutes, 46% from the field, 41% from three, 75% from the line. Uh, only five boards, which was pretty shocking to me. He was playing outside a lot. Yeah, one block. Uh, and but here the big, here's the big thing: three and a half personal fouls. Um, and, that, and that's the thing is just like. You're going to give him all these minutes, but is he just going to get into foul trouble right away? And there's a couple games where he had six fouls, six fouls, yeah, he fouled out several times, fouls, four fouls. Um, So that's the one thing with Goga is like I think you need to put him on a team where he can grow. And that's kind of interesting that you bring up the Heat because you look at the guy who's currently playing center for him, and that's Hassan Whiteside, and he might be declining his player option, but let's say he sticks with it. Um, Then you're going to have Hassan Whiteside, bam, bam, and Goga. Yep, kind of a logjam there. And Bam's and Kelly O, who plays stretch five for them at mm-hmm. times. And, and, but maybe that's something that I kind of like because that way you can get Bam and Goga together. You can get Kelly and Bo, uh, Goga together, which would just stretch the floor out. And yeah. you can get uh, uh, you know Bam and Kelly together. And even if Hassan sticks, sticks around, you know Hassan was a guy who was built up as well in that, that heat system. He was drafted by the Kings and then came over the Heat and obviously built himself from a D leaguer all the way up to. Uh, you know, a guy who was making twenty-seven plus million, he was blocking shots left and right. The man was insane. You know, when motivated, he is one of the fiercest rim protectors in the league. And, and maybe you know, I'm not saying Goga needs to be motivated, but maybe if he's able to slim down, you can kind of learn from a guy like Whiteside if he's willing to do that. I don't know if we'll, yeah, Whiteside's I, willing to do that, but yeah, I, I think they're already focusing already on growing Bam, right? And, and maybe you put him into that scenario where you also you know let him grow. I don't know if that's the best positional fit for them because I think Bam still can need play some like help. a four. We saw we saw oh, the pairings I, out there, so that's why I'm I like. Talking, I think I think maybe their their need is more in the one and two range. I don't disagree. Um, rather than the, the big range, but I think it'd be a very interesting fit because they're already kind of like looking at those. You know, they're they're already trying to work on Bam. They're a deep so. team usually too. Mm-hmm. They they go positionally deep. They'll play like ten guys, you know, thirteen guys a, a night. Like Absolutely, they'll, they'll really go deep. So. The, the Heat is a team that's really interesting because we're saying like conditioning. You brought it up. The they whole, are the, the kings whole, of yeah, conditioning. Body fat, uh, you know, weight challenge, loss challenge. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. Um, any other teams? We threw out Atlanta. We threw out the Heat. You threw out the Celtics. Any team? Like, what if he slips? What team do you really like him at? Uh, Indiana coming to mind. San Antonio, Detroit, Orlando. Even further, do you like Oklahoma City? Where do you like Goga? Like, I mean, if, ideal fit. That let's throw twenty out pick for Boston. If they can get a guard at. 14 and Goga's available at 20. Boston's mm-hmm. in the money, but we already talked about Boston. So after that, I mean, ideal fit. If you fell all the way to 24, could you imagine <laughs> him as the backup to Joel Embiid? Be fun. That would be amazing. It'd be fun. Um, there'd be a lot of expectations on him. Yeah, I think they need more of a shooter though. They may, or, or more, of more a, of a wing, a guard. They, yeah, uh, they, like a guard to bring up the ball. Either a guard or wing. They need, they need some, they need some things. Yeah, but that one. Ideal fit in my mind. I like um, Portland. You like Portland? Yeah. You got Nurkic. You got Zach Collins. You think you got to go to the well again? It sounds like Cantor might love the city enough to re-sign for a it's deal. True. Like, I think that they might have their grouping already to run the 4-5. I'd just like him to learn from Nurkic. Yeah. And Cantor. Like, I just I just like if he was in that locker room. I You're, you're right. Because, I mean, Collins should be getting more minutes. Yeah. I, I feel like if... My idea. Zach just needs to bulk up. That's his only flaw right now. Well, yeah. he's got some other flaws, but, but like even my, my idea for easiest Portland benefit is, is play quicker. Like yeah. that's what I love. And and, and this is no offense to Nurkic. Nurkic was fantastic, great Man, addition, awesome. Yeah, he, the, that team's better with him. Yeah. But I just wonder like what the Portland Trailblazers would be able to do if they played quicker and faster and more loose and just played completely open. Yeah. I, I think it'd be interesting. I think Collins would be able to do that. Um. Brooklyn's another team. Brooklyn? I know they've got Ed Davis. They roll out as their small ball five, but we watched him Jared just Allen get too. abused in the playoffs yeah. against Joel Embiid. So you need a true seven footer. I know that Allen's there and he's their primary, but like he is not strong enough in a lot of situations. So if you have Goga out there as your backup center to develop under, San Antonio is the interesting one because you go, how happy are they with Jacoperto? Really, he's good. He's growing. He's gotten he got better throughout the season, but he's still maybe not the ideal guy. Yeah, I was going to throw out Orlando, too, because Vucevic what? might leave, but obviously that Bamba. Bamba. I know, I know. And? I know, but he's big. He's long. He might be long, so immediately he's He could be a long gonna, boy. He's already going to look at, you know, that's already shooting up Orlando. No, I mean, that's the problem. You look at all these teams, Frost like Detroit backs. has their center. of they, They've got their center in Drummond, yeah. like, and I don't see them being able to move him or mm-hmm. wanting to, really. Orlando Indiana doesn't need him. Drafted theirs. 
Brooklyn's got Jared Allen. Indiana has a couple centers. Yeah. San Antonio, potentially. Boston, potentially. Uh, OKC, Nerlens is not signing again. It no. sounds like he's going to go elsewhere or try Steven to get some more Adams money. Steven Adams hasn't been great, so if you get a guy who can spell him, that'd be interesting. Steven Adams is pretty good. Pretty good. He's like 25. He wasn't, he wasn't that great last year. Last year was a down year for Stephen Adams. Mm. He 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 could have been a more important part to that team, and he 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 I agree. He, he he was he did not meet expectations. I don't know if I'm blaming him or I'm blaming the system and the I'm coach. Not, I know I'm not saying that he he was trash and needs to be moved or anything like that. Billy Donovan isn't that great of a coach. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that he he did not reach Stephen at. I didn't think that was the best Stephen Adams out yep. there. No, um, so I'm, and but, I've always mocked Nas Reed to them. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, Goga, if he somehow fell. That's the thing. We, I, I would, we just rattled off, like, the post-lottery selection, and it, it's looking like Boston and San Antonio are the obvious teams to take him here because further than that, Utah has Gobert. Philly has a lot of holes, could go. But. But. but what about Utah? Come on. They be, favors might leave. Favors might leave. Favors so might you're going to roll out two seven-footers there? What better player to learn from than Rudy fucking Gobert? But why Why you got to learn from a player when you can just play? Just play, Sean. But <laughs> it'd be cool. I don't disagree. There'd be a lot of these <laughs> cool combos of players. I love the idea of him sitting behind Joel Embiid. I love the idea of him with Gobert. I love that thought, but like, put no. On, put him on Golden State. Are you just trying the, the to real, The real off? thing is if he fell to 26, Cleveland would get a steal. Yeah. That would be huge. Oh, absolutely. Um, but do you think any team would trade up to that dead spot of teams we mentioned that uh, fifteen through say nineteen to get him? To get him, is he an attractive enough European prospect to warrant a trade up from a team who isn't uh, in that range? If I or was, if they the, traded back, perhaps. If I was, we've been talked about trade backs too often. If I was the GM yeah. of a team that was sitting at like you know twenty three, well, you, you mentioned Cleveland. Say so you're at 26. My, my thing is just like, why would I be trading up if I don't think they're going to take them? But if you're trying to snipe that pick from the second Celtic pick, say that's the thing. Rumors are Celtics are going to take go get 20. I'd do it. That he's, he's super interesting to me. If I was Brooklyn at like that 27 pick, I'd try to trade up. Or Cleveland, like you, you said. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely look into that. I, I think he's super, super intriguing. And it's just like I, I want. I want to see him at that combine, so we could actually see him because we're not going to be able to see any of this, this, yeah. this private workout stuff. Um, but he's a really intriguing prospect to me. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, I'd be shocked if he fell outside of the top twenty. I think he's he's definitely worth. That I think talent. he's top it's twenty just, talent. It just comes down to that team need and exactly. does he strike it? Because I think he's got. I the, think he's lottery talent. I just don't think he's going to go in the lottery. Yeah, we had that lottery a demanding position. Yeah, know? we had that lottery play out and. I could have put him at 14 to That's to Boston, the only one, but, but I feel like, like eh. they've got three picks, and once you get past, you know, Jackson Hayes, it's like, all right, well, centers are like Goga and Gafford, Gafford who's got and late one or second round talent score written on him. Bassey. Bassey, second round talent written um, on him. There's Claxton, too, who's been pretty impressive so far. At the, yeah. Uh, the, uh, Point being, there's literally combat. like two centers in this class. Yeah. So, so, I don't know. We'll see if it's actually, oh, and also Bobo. Oh, um, yeah, well. Duh, and Taco Fall. How did I of miss? Okay, I don't give, don't oh. give a rip about Taco Fall, but I forgot about no, football somehow. Kidding about Oh, Bruno Fernando as well. Yeah. So, but I, I look at, I think Gafford's better than Fernando. So I think we're split think, on that one. I think Fernando would be more second round. Anyways, let us know what you think best fits for Gogo Bataze would be. What team would you like to see him on? And what range do you think he can go? I think he can go anywhere from 10 to like 22. Put him on Milwaukee somehow. That'd be fun. I would love that. Let him learn from Brooke. Brooke yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. Anyways, let us know where you think Gogo would best fit in the NBA. Where do you like him? What value do you like him at? Um, I think he's super intriguing. And again, I'm just really bummed he wasn't able I to think, make it over. I think the like year three coming in, he'll look fantastic. I think he needs a he needs a couple years to transition his body and the playing speed, and he's got all the tools. If Denver just didn't need to trade away Kenneth Freed, I mean, fuck it. It'd be fun. It'd be so fun. Anyways, uh, my two favorite European bigs playing together. Anyways, let us know where you think uh, Gogo Patase would be best fit in the NBA after the 2019 NBA draft. But let's move into the last topic. Yeah, we're kind of flying through this. We said let's get it done in an hour, and we got close enough. It's it's almost uh, it's 7 o'clock. We're closing in uh, like nine minutes away. We're uh, efficient with our fucking delivery, man. We are. Uh, we're hitting the groove. Ricky's holding us back. <laughs> No. Uh, anyways, oh, no. uh, recent story came out uh, about the NCAA Explorers 
compensation for names and likenesses. This is coming from May 14th, 2019. It's currently May 17th. Uh, the NCAA is forming a working group to consider how its rules can be modified to allow college athletes to be compensated for the use of their names, images, and likenesses. The NCAA made it clear, however, the group would not consider anything that can, can be constructed as paying athletes. So the NCAA wants to be able to make money off these players. They want to be able to sell you know, jerseys with you know, uh, R.J. Barrett's name on it yeah. uh, at Duke. They want to be able to sell NCAA football 2026 with all their teams there, all the branded NCAA t- teams, drum up interest from younger you know, crowds, be able to have you know, NCAA mutt teams and, and have those you know, kind of younger college fans be built up through those games. And they want to be able to make money off their players while, you know, kind of giving a bone to these players. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts on this? Because obviously we're – I'm in the mindset of just pay the players. Yeah. Like – I think that's the thing is everybody wants to make it a case of like, oh, well, if we draw lines here and in, in, around this line of this border and that team and here's where we can – no, no. It's just as simple as paying the players who deserve money, which yeah. – uh, no offense, but it, it might come off as like a, a dick kind of a take, but there are certain teams in college which – provide money back to the university more so than others uh there's not a whole lot of money coming in for you know uh crew track teams and track and field all all of those smaller sports yeah still incredibly relevant but it just the facts of the day are football at texas brings in millions of dollars a year so you can't give their football team you can't pay their football team and then pay their track team the same. Yeah, it's just Alabama not how it has works. to be closing in on billions. Like uh, I mean, what what them and Clemson have been doing in football yeah. is nowhere close to what Texas A and M's doing in basketball. Like yeah. you can't play those kids the same amount. So obviously that's gonna have to be worked out. But you know, I, I think it's I think some it's a sliding like, scale. It's it's that simple in my mind. It's like, okay, if you're playing football at the D one level and D one schools have to be regulated, you can't have mm-hmm. Alabama paying, you know, uh, you're going to get a stipend of two grand a month versus, you know, uh, you go to like USC and you're only getting 1500 I think it has to be like at the D1 level, this is what you can do at the at each tier. Basically, you can break it out. I think conferencing has to remain even because otherwise it's SEC versus AEC or yeah. ACC. Uh, well, I you just, don't want to give these teams on. You don't want to have advantages. exactly. Yeah. So I think you do a balanced payout based on division, based on sport. And that's the fairest way to do it. How that number gets generated. I can't tell you what percentage should cut back based off of uh, ticket funds, boosters, donations to the school. I think donations probably go in their own category. But as far as the incoming money from the sport, I'm absolutely in on the thought of these kids need to get paid because it's just they go out there and risk their bodies at a very long shot chance of making it a profession. And there's so many of them who come up short and their bodies by 23 are like in need of dire help. And what are they supposed to do? You know, they fall back onto like accounting degrees or communications. And yeah. it's like, I get it. It's well, not your passion, but. And, and two examples that are brought up in this article is, for example, college athletes cannot take part in commercial advertising or signing autographs for money, which notably got Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Manziel in yeah. trouble in NCAA in, in 2013. Clearly, Johnny Manziel didn't make it in the NFL. He didn't make it in the AFL. He didn't make it in the CFL, like or AAF. He didn't make it in the CFL. Like you know, being able to at least make some of that money in college when you're at your peak abilities and your your peak you know fame your 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 uh, peak uh, famehood. What were what were Malaga? I don't know. You know, the, your 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like if Johnny Manziel was selling you know autographs in 2013, was able to profit off of it, like he should be able to. He's like, already rich, so it's hard to feel bad for that guy. Well, his parents are already rich. Let me clarify kind of, that. Yeah, but like personally, like mm-hmm. you know, you know, and another one, Todd Gurley was. He's uh, no a less deserving of money. Yeah, is what I'm. And Todd Gurley was uh, a prominent athlete suspended by the NCAA for receiving money for autographs in 2014. Then with uh, University of Georgia, he received a four-game suspension after investigations determined he received three thousand dollars over two years for signed autographs and memorabilia. Like. Todd Gurley was a guy that dealt with a torn ACL in college, and now we're even seeing him deal with arthritis in his knee in, in the uh, with the Rams right now. Even mm-hmm. though he's been you know near an MVP caliber player in the NFL, like you want those guys to be able to go off and make money. Marshawn Lattimore is one of those yeah. guys who just absolutely tore up his knee, but he was so I hot loved him in, in college. college. I mean, like that was a guy so that he should be able to make money off what he's doing. He's he has this talent, he has this ability, he should be able to make that money. And I feel like this is at least some step in, into the NCAA. Now, this isn't me being like, oh, the NCAA is, you know, so nice and so giving and such mm-hmm. a great company. 
they're out there to make money yeah. without a doubt. They're not caring about the players. And the reason that's even shown by saying they want to work around where they can make money but not have to play the players' actual salaries. Yeah. Um, but at least for fans, this would be huge. Because, yes, the guys were able to make some money. You know, let's say Johnny Manziel is able to sell some autographs for $3,000, you know, sign a couple helmets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then that means we get video games. And that's where I get Dave back into the conversation. Dave, you can play 2K, but you can use it like R.J. Barrett and Zion and Cam on Duke and make Cam actually good. Like, I mean, what I could have, you could have Darius Garland just roll <laughs> instead of just you know, fucking shit at instead Vanderbilt. of sitting out and refusing to play because you know why bother drafting you know taking a draft stock potentially. You could have a recruiting class where you start that year and I be like, oh, that. Darius Garland, bull bull, let's put him on a team. <sighs> I mean, Ricky can rebuild University of Illinois. Doesn't this sound appealing? Uh, yeah. Sounds Sign me the awesome. fuck up. That's what I'm saying. I, that game would go up like wildfire. That game is oh, the things you could do with a college Dirty. basketball, college football game are amazing. Everybody wants to live that shit out. I don't care yeah. how old you are. That's just it's a childhood dream that never dies. And the bullshit that it is like the two K series getting yeah. like ten teams from the NCAA or Madden getting like ten teams from the the NCAA. Don't tease me. No. Don't give me that bullshit. That ain't I don't it. want that. I, like I still go back and play NCAA football. Uh, 2013 because that game still rocks. That's not even the latest game version of the game. It's 2014, but that game sells for like 50 bucks because it's that good. <laughs> um, but the ability to like just even like even the players that aren't even named like it's still fun. Yeah, but you could even download those rosters and put in Sam Darnold in the game. Like that stuff so much fun. And Ed O'Bannon had to be a dick about it and ruin it uh, for all of us fans. Like, come on, Ed, way to go. You're not even in college uh, going after this stuff. It's like 20 years after. He's like, oh, I'm in a video game. I didn't even realize it. I want to get paid for that. Oh, like, my God. All right, Ed, I kind of get it. But, like, like they used your – you kind of look like that dude. Yep. But you're just like a bald, tall dude, like, from the the you know UCLA team. Like, obviously, they were using your likeness. But, like, they didn't say Ed O'Bannon no, or anything. No, they didn't. Um, I, I just – I'm excited about this because – the ability to get NCAA, you know, football back. The ability to get NCAA basketball back um, for you know consoles would be absolutely huge. Oh yeah, and finally being able to get like a jersey with like I, the first and only college jersey I ever used had was Brady Quinn. Uh, and feel it was pretty good about that. A green ten jersey. It was awesome. I, <laughs> I, I still wish I had it. I threw it out. Um, but if it had Quinn on the back, I'd feel even cooler. Like yeah. the ability for like fans to connect to their teams is huge, just for those college players as well, because it's just going to create an even deeper bond. Like, you know, when these guys go out and these guys aren't playing well, you know, it, it, you kind of just can forget about them because as long as you're it's winning, so easy. it doesn't matter. Yeah. But if you're able to create a bond with them, like these kids who, you know, I, I still like Brady Quinn. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if Brady Quinn got replaced by, uh, you know, Brandon Wimbush and Wimbush, you know, won a couple games to Notre Dame Fighting Irish, would I give a shit about Brandon, uh, Brady Quinn? Probably yeah. not. You know? So, like, it's true. The ability for those kids to, and obviously Brady was great at yeah. North, uh, Notre Dame, but. The ability for these guys to make money is absolutely huge, but it's it's bigger for the fans. I think it's it's a win win. The only people who lose here are the NCAA and the colleges themselves. But it's not even losing; it's like reinforcing. Like uh, I don't even know how long it's been. It's just unfairness towards its athletes, towards its the the people who are generating the money for you. You're basically getting it for free. It just it's an awful awful thing. And there's an easy answer, and it just cuts a little bit out of their pockets, but somehow solves all of our problems. It's like, where's the downside in this? Do you think it would open up the door for actual, like, full play for p players, or do you think it would kind of actually close that door for that discussion? Because, hey, you're getting something, so maybe we can close that discussion on paying players, or do you think it would open it because, well, hey, I'm getting, you know, X amount, and I could be making more because, you know, I'm putting my body on the line. I think it opens the door, and it starts turn into that like roadmap of like all right we can just cross out that area we're gonna come over here but not give you this but maybe we'll let you have some of this and it's mm -hmm. just we're gonna be negotiating back and forth over these lines once you know you you know give them an inch they'll take a mile like that's what needs to happen though like something needs to happen here in order to get this kick started because we've been talking about it for years now so what do you and, think the ncaa is gonna play it then because this is this is coming from the ncaa yeah. So why do you think the NCAA is playing it if if it is, you know, give them an inch, then they could take a mile? Because clearly their goal is not to pay these players. I think they're afraid that they're going to lose the grasp they have because we're seeing basketball go ahead and be like, 
yeah, we played the nice game with you. We let you have your college recruits for a year. And you know what? We're going back on that. We're, mm. we're going to take back our amazing, the top-tier talent from high school and just skip over you. So you no longer have the grasp on the best talent. We're seeing football. You know, I know it was not a failed league, but we saw an attempted another alternate for how you can get to the NFL. And I think it's just the fact that football is having its struggles as far as health and long-term health. I so don't know. players playing it. Well, that. Yeah, because youth involvement is just down in general. Exactly. So the future of football, the biggest money maker of college sports right now, is in doubt long term. So I think they're starting to question, like, how can we re-image this? How can we repackage this to come out on the right side of it? And if they do this and they start franchising video games, you know, you, you give them a you give them a couple pennies for their name and mm-hmm. you get back the millions in sold, you know, games. You get back so much more. And then... God, it's just the memories I made at nine playing, yeah. you know, as Vince Young and NCAA, oh, he was incredible. NCAA football 06 going against like Texas Southern and putting up like 120 yeah. points because I'm just running fucking boot options to the right side <laughs> at Vince Young's running seven yards. It was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Or the, the play where you just run like you start at the 30 and then you run all the way back to the, the, the one yard line with the other team as the as player two. Yeah. So that way you just get like easy touchdowns like that was where I made my money. And I'm always going to remember, you know, Vince Young because. Obviously, Vince Young was a hugely named player, but yeah. even then, like if I wasn't playing those games, I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't really care that much about Vince Young. Like, I don't, but it's that I don't have that fondness for Colt McCoy, and Colt McCoy was equally as good. It, I mean, and it had a way better name. Yeah, and and, and you know, obviously, I still remember Colt McCoy because he's still in the league. But like, you know, Vince Young yeah. is is still. I, I still remember those vivid memories, and, and I still remember. Like, I have this connection to Omeka Okafor for some fucking reason. Yes, I was gonna say NCAA March Madness 2005, and getting Absolutely. those kids interested in these games early on and being like, well, hey, maybe I won't make it to the NFL, but college, there's 122 teams. Maybe I can make it. Maybe I can make it to the game one day. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely it. They're trying to get ahead of that curve. They're trying to get themselves in the loop. They're trying to be, bring back some positivity and grasp on these kids again. So I still think it's a greedy move, but I think at least it's like a, like, hey, we can kind of find a middle ground of, We'll give you some compensation. You give us your rights. We're going to be able to make money. You're going to get money. We all win in this situation. Yeah. What's the first game you'd want? Uh, I'm, come on. Come on. Is that really a question? Like, I've, been playing, I've been playing basketball. Or I've been talking about basketball for the last three years, like nonstop. I don't know, Sean. What, I'm probably getting uh, what would be NCAA your, Golf uh, what, 2020. What would be your first move, though? Oh, which team would I take yeah, to the tourney? Yeah, like, let's say you get you get NCAA March Madness, yeah. and they better brand it March Madness, you not have NCAA to. basketball. That's bullshit. It was a we crap know what game it is. with Kevin Love and Blake Griffin. Yeah, some people, aka Jake, if he's watching this, will bring up that Blake that Blake Griffin game was good. And yes, it had the ESPN and CBS broadcast, which, which was is pretty nice. dope. Yeah, um, but the game did not play as well as NCAA March Madness two thousand five. Um, and also, NCAA March Madness 2005 had the locker room and trophy room, which was absolutely baller. Anyways, um, what's your first move? Are you are you going right to my league? Let's say 2K gets the rights. Are you going straight to my league? What are you doing in that? Hundred, I'm 100% taking. I don't even know what college I would go with. Yeah, what team? That's that's the crippling move there. Like, where would I want to recruit and build up out of? Where, where, are, you, where are you recruiting from? Oh, you taking you taking a shit team and build them up? Yeah, I mean that's what you always do. But the question is, what conference would I start in? You know, do I want to go with? Do I go D one? You know, do I go real oddball shit? No, you got to go D one. I mean, it's yeah. only gonna be D one licensed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Could you mention they're like you can start off as a D two coach <laughs> at Southeastern Maryland State <laughs> University? Yes, A and M. I oh damn, that's tough. The problem is. In college basketball, I don't really have an allegiance. College football, I was Which is funny, because you went yeah. to DePaul. Yeah, still. They have a basketball team. They do. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have an allegiance. I don't. I really don't. Yeah. Um, college football, I was always attracted to USC, because early 2000s was the the golden years for, mm-hmm. for them. So that's where my heart was at that time. And college, that's where we disagree completely, because I'm a Notre Dame fan. Yeah. So fuck yourself. Unfortunate for you. <laughs> fuck that bullshit. I, I, I came into a winning team. It was just, they were really good, and I enjoyed watching them. Would you build up IU, Indiana University? You know te- what? I don't, I don't. It hasn't won, and I mean, they have sweet uniforms. I might go wanted. like Iowa. I'm also looking at a picture of Romeo Lankford right now. So I'm, like, Iowa State, probably. Iowa State? Yeah. Why well, you want to play as T- Taylor Horton Tucker's video game Talon. body? Say Talon, Talon my, for fuck's sake. Talon Horton Tucker's. <laughs> Thank uh, you. 
a THT? body of 6'2 and a 7'9 wingspan. <laughs> Guy's insane. Rocking um, the solid 250. Yeah. I, I think my first move, will, and hear I me out I just like here. him. Yeah. First move. Yep. Providence. Providence, eh? Always love Providence. I think I think the black and white slick uniforms. Yeah, they had Chris Dunn. They had my guy Ben Bentil. Yeah, still holding that Ben hope. Bentil. Yeah, remember him? My not old, many people do. My old Naz Reed. Um, not a good sign for Naz Reed. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Um, Ben Bentil rocking the G League still. Put some sick uniforms. And also my first move. Yep. Bringing back the Big East. Let me let me control Can you do my that? conferences. Yeah, well, before, Big East, before Big East sign still, this game, Big East is still a thing. Yeah, um, it's just not the old Big East. So if we're saying, you know, if it's my league, if we, we have the creative control, yeah, yeah, then yeah, give me back the Big East and give me Pittsburgh and and and, and, and UConn and Cincinnati and goddamn, I want this game so fucking badly. <laughs> I swear a lot in this one because I'm pumped. I'm <laughs> it's amped. passionate. It, yeah. that that was your jam as a kid. It's fandom. Uh, anyways, uh, absolutely. Any fun, any final thoughts? No, I, I think it. I think it's going to happen probably in the next two years. Really? Yeah. That's soon. I legit think like two years from now, like we're going to have like, hey, we're, we're going to be doing this. I don't know if the, the, the pain structure will be set, but I think they'll be monetizing player names in a video game. How the, long does it take to develop a video game? About a year tops. I mean, and at this point, like if you're working with a franchise that's already being built out like 2K, like they could spin that off fairly quickly. I don't want EA anywhere. You don't want unions. Although I, I just said uh, NCAA March Madness. Yeah, um, which you, is an EA title. You did. That's I what I'm saying. I don't. I don't want them near it because their video, their basketball games suck. Yeah, I mean, I well, mean the, the monetization structure is awful. Live isn't good, so yeah. you're gonna have to go 2K for that. Okay. And then Madden's also been shitty. So I don't know. I, I think, give me. I, I think 2K. At least the title. Give, just give it all to 2K. Everything 2K? Yeah. Because also, Josh Childress had a pretty decent 2K5 game for college basketball. Nice. Just throwing it out there. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, I'm hoping two years we're going we're gonna to be talking about how uh, it, at uh, a press conference called E3, you know, mm. coming up soon, which we'll be talking about on uh, Too Old to Game. Uh, we'll be talking about how a new NCAA game is going to get announced soon. Uh, that would be my dream. Here's my prediction. That's my dream. Uh, coming up on the uh, in twenty uh, in in what's it called twenty twenty will be the twenty fifth anniversary of E three twenty twenty five thirtieth year anniversary they're bringing back the NCAA franchise. That's too damn long. I want to know. But I, it's, You're it's, be, are you being realistic? It's then? Legal yeah. stuff, okay. you know, and also like I think you know in three years maybe we have the pay structure built out. Then you start you know courting people for like you know. Contracts in a year, you could talk to all the, the the video game developers, and then give them two years to build out a decent game. Yeah, it's gonna be your first game back. You don't have to flop. And look how long it took them to build live to even you know playable. Oh, that's um, true. So that game was it's not even that playable. Yikes! And it's, they have had like three three versions. But anyways, let us know what you think about the e, uh, NCAA monetizing uh, or letting players monetize their likenesses. Obviously, it's good for the players because um, they're making some money, and that's better than none. Um, but it's not you know, quite all the way to equality. Yeah, what, what's what's the biggest positive? Is it the players or is it the fans that are gaining? It's win gaining win, from people. This? Win win. Is it a win 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 for the NCAA too? And that's something we talked about too with the uh, the whole getting young players involved in the sports. But anyways, if you like this, this was the Primetime Podcast. I'm Sean. Uh, alongside me was Dave. If you liked it so much. Check out patreon.com slash most of a podcast. You can help support us there. You can help us upgrade the room. You can help us buy likenesses for NCAA players and build our own video game. Um, that one's that. probably not going to happen. Probably not. Uh, probably just going to keep talking on a podcast. But, hey, <laughs> if we get enough, maybe we'll do it. Um, you could code video games, right? No. You sure? I, I could learn. There you go. So you could pay for Dave's coding classes on patreon.com slash most of a podcast. Um, Yikes. But if you did like this, uh, please check out patreon.com slash most of a podcast. It would ap- mean the absolute world to us. Um, and also, if you want to talk to us on Twitter, twitter.com slash most of a podcast. Um, I'm always open to uh, chat to anybody. So anyways, I've been Sean Anderson. Uh, that was a horrible segue, too. But uh, I'm, I'm Sean Anderson. alongside me, Dave Oster. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.